You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Great to be together this morning. Whoops. Uh, awesome. We're trying out some uh, kind of crazy keyboard stuff we're doing at youth camp this week. So thanks for uh, being a guinea pigs for us. Uh, it's going to be great to be together uh, for the week. How many of you guys have been to, to teen camp or youth camp? Either one. Okay, so you know how amazing uh, of a time that is. Uh, just kind of getting away from... Um, just the, some of the craziness of life, uh, getting off with God in the mountains. Uh, the, uh, the teens with young folks have an opportunity to sanctify their cell phones when they arrive. Um, and there's just something about being away from the phone, being away from TV, being away from media, being away from any of that stuff that just helps you to connect with God. And uh, this will be my eighth year going up to youth camp. And it's one of my favorite times of year. It's, it's just always so spiritually uh, uplifting. It's so great to just get away from everything and be with God and, and be with these kids who are really discovering God uh, a lot of times uh, for the first time in a real tangible way, you know, worshiping and praising him. Every night at youth camp, uh, you know, there's no cell phones, there's no TV, there's no movies. So entertainment for the kids is worshiping God. And so that we spent about an hour every night at youth camp out under the stars in this amphitheater uh, just praising God. And the kids are jumping and they're raising their hands. And so like that song we were doing, Alive, that's a song from youth camp. So they're just jumping and uh, there's dirt. So there's dirt, you know, clouds going up. And we try to water it down so it's not too much dirt. But that's that's our biggest thing is controlling the dirt because the kids are so wild and crazy and fun. But uh, if you're visiting with us, uh, we've been doing this worship series called Hashtag Wisdom. Um, my kids were like, why is it called Hashtag Wisdom? I'm like, oh, for the young people, you know. And they're like, that's so lame, Dad, you know. Um, but it's called Hashtag Wisdom. The idea is the wisdom of the world is so different than the wisdom of God. And uh, that's what Paul says in this book of Corinthians. He says that the wisdom of the world is foolishness, but the wisdom of God uh, the, the wisdom of God is foolishness to the wisdom of the world, and the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God's wisdom. And so we're going to be kind of continuing on that. We have two more uh, weeks, this week and next week, kind of finishing out uh, 1 Corinthians. The title of the lesson today is Future Resurrection. And if you have the South Bay app, uh, you can click on the notes section, and there'll be notes there. You'll see the Sunday announcements, and then you do more notes, and you'll see the, uh, the lesson notes if you want to follow along on the app. But future resurrection, I don't know about you, but that kind of reminds me of like, a, it sounds like a Terminator movie. Uh, maybe, the, is there a Terminator movie called Future Resurrection? Or am I thinking of Alien, Steve? Is there Alien Resurrection? Okay, you know, it just has that Terminator feel to it. Resurrection isn't a word that we normally use in everyday language, right? It might, you know, depending on where you're coming from, what your background is, it might have kind of a weird religious uh, connotation. It might... Uh, be something that sounds fantastical. It might be something that makes you think of aliens or Terminator or something like that. Uh, but but resurrection is so key. It's, in fact, it's the cornerstone of Christian belief. So it's something that we need to take seriously. It's something that we need to believe and something we need to understand. And, you know, I, I recognize that you might wonder, is, is resurrection even possible? That sounds like a fairy tale. You know, the idea of people coming back from the dead. Death seems so final. Uh, I remember one of the first times... Uh, really seeing how final death was, it was when I was in college, uh, I was a fresh, actually it was right before I went into college, 
But um, I had all these frogs in this uh, aquarium. I had a lab partner in AP Biology, and all these frogs were destined to be um, uh, dissected. But my lab partner was this animal rights activist, and uh, she was a friend of mine. So she somehow convinced them to, to not, you know, dissect these frogs. And somehow I ended up with them. And I, I honestly don't know. I think I had them for, like, vacation or something. And then somehow when school ended, I ended up with all these frogs, like ten frogs or something. And so, you know, I, I am trying to take care of these frogs, but I have no money. And so I'm going out in the fields and catching grasshoppers and trying to give them to the frogs. And so so they, they were... They ended up having a fate far worse than being dissected because they sort of starved to death one at a time. Um, but I remember one of them, or it was, yeah, I don't know. It, I, I was going to set them free, but it was cold, and I was like, you know, anyways. But I remember a frog would die, and I just remember, you know, when you're a teen, you just sort of, you know, you have those moments of deep thoughts, you know. And I just remember just looking at this frog going, whoa, dude, you know, like... This frog was alive, and now it's dead. You know? <laughs> but, but it was kind of like all the parts are still there, right? But but it's 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 gone, and it's not coming back. There's no way to sort of start it up again. And you know we have our our stories about that, like you know that, that dog movie where they, he kind of got the dog started again or whatever. But uh, but 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 we understand death is so final, and there's something so different about living something that's alive from something that's dead or something that never was alive and so resurrection is something very deep and very uh, uh, kind of mysterious but it's as i mentioned it's very very important and so we're going to be looking here at first uh, corinthians if you want to be turning there in your bible early on in the in the past in the uh, book rather uh, steve read this uh scripture before we open the word i want to say a, another word of prayer here so Bow with me. Let's pray. God, thank you that we can open your word right now. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to speak through me. I pray for your Holy Spirit that he would speak through your words. I pray, Father, that I could not get in the way at all of what he wants to convey to every person here. Uh, God, I just pray to be your instrument and to uh, be a voice for uh, for your your word and for Paul and, and this amazing text that he uh, he wrote for the Corinthian disciples. I pray that we could have a connection with them. Right now, as we study these deep truths and as we uh, as we surrender to your wisdom, God, and let go of worldly wisdom in Jesus name, we pray. Amen. So, you know, this idea of wisdom, Paul says we speak a message of wisdom among the church, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and God destined for our glory before time began. So God is we believe God is outside of space and time and God is the creator of all things. And God holds these different mysteries. And resurrection is one of those mysteries that to the world might seem like foolishness or, or it's hard to have understanding of. But it's been revealed through, to, through God, through his prophets and ultimately through Christ. He says Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So if you want to know God better, if you want to know God's power, if you want to know God's wisdom, look no further than Jesus Christ. As we, we're going to see, what makes Jesus Jesus is the fact that he rose from the dead. Uh, you know, the, the fact that he was totally gone, totally dead by human standards, and yet he became uh, a new creation. And he's gone ahead of us, as Paul, we're going to see Paul say. Uh, the Corinthian background, just again, I know you've been hearing about it a little bit, but in case... 
you're new to this. Uh, the city of Corinth was a, was a city much like one of our modern day cities. It was very uh, cosmopolitan. There was people from all kinds of different backgrounds in Corinth. It was known for its uh, sinfulness. To be Corinthian was to be sensual. Um, and uh, so it was kind of had the reputation maybe that Vegas might have, you know, some of those slogans that go along with Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas or things like that. A slogan of the Corinthians was uh, everything is permissible for me. Kind of like I can do whatever I want. Or, or in America, we might say I'm free to do whatever I want any old time. That's kind of that was the Corinthian slogan. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody, I can do it. Doesn't that sound familiar? Isn't that kind of our modern uh, you know, our modern sort of might be a slogan in L.A. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody. The worst thing you could do is judge somebody. That is the absolute worst thing you could do. You know, just do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody and make sure you don't judge anybody. That, that's kind of the, the, uh, the world of Corinth. And so in Corinth, they were trying to be so not judgmental that there was horrible sin going on in the church and they didn't want to say anything about it because, well, we don't want to be judgmental. And in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says... Yeah, yeah, don't be judgmental with those outside the church. But for those in the church, if somebody claims to be a brother, we are supposed to help each other. We are supposed to speak up. Uh, Paul says, it is my business to judge those inside the church. And, you know, if, you, if you've been uh, uh, around churches long or church people, you've probably experienced some judgmentalism. You know, and, and that might have turned you off to religion. You know, this kind of, well, I'm better than you. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about within the church, speaking up about, you know, somebody who claims to be a follower of Jesus, speaking up about you know, what's really going on. And uh, so, so they were becoming polluted. And Andy talked about this. They were allowing the worldly uh, perspective to change their perspective of things like sexuality and pleasure and, and, uh, and some of these things. And so Paul was trying to get them back on track. And uh, he, 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 his, uh, the letter was written initially because he had heard some reports from there about divisions in the church. And they were kind of dividing up and following different people. So he wrote about that in the first part of the book. And then he also wrote back about issues they had written him about. And so every time when you're reading Corinthians, you see now about this or now about that. Those are topics that they had asked him about. So, for example, he says, now about marriage, and then he talks about marriage. Now about food sacrifice to idols. That's not necessarily a topic that comes up in our church. But as you're going to see, we're going to talk about that next week. It is, It has a lot of relevancy, actually. And the things that DK shared last week about being part of the body and how we're connected and we, we belong to each other, that was part of Paul's discussion about food sacrifice to idols. That was what led him to... Uh, that whole discussion about the body of Christ and how the body functions. And we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. Uh, but he talked about the gifts of the Spirit, because in, in Corinth people were being proud. I'm, I've got a better gift than you have. And, you know, so there were some of these issues. But he gets to the crux of all of it at the end in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, so we're going to talk about three things from 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, the reminder Paul gives. We're going to talk about a reminder, resurrection, and revolution. Those three things. So first of all, the reminder... Right here in the beginning of 1 Corinthians 15 says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if what you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. So it's more than belief to get to get to that point of resurrection, to get to that final 
day with God, to be in heaven forever, to be a part of the new creation, to be a part of the new kingdom of God. It's more than just belief. He says you believed it, but now you got to hold firmly. You got to persevere. You got to stick with it. You can't quit. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. We don't hear that in churches a lot, right? You hear you need to believe in Jesus. Yeah, but you believe in Jesus, Amen. But then you got to stick with it. You got to persevere. You got to hold firmly to those teachings. Are we going to fail? Are we going to mess up? Absolutely. As we're going to see, we are imperfect. We are weak. We've got issues, but we, we, we have, God has given us the ability to, to make it. You got, God has, He says, no temptation has seized you except what's common to man, 1 Corinthians 10. And God will provide a way out when you're tempted. So God will, God's not going to make it too hard for you. It might be hard, but it's, it's part of the journey. It's part of the, the process of being made perfect is sticking with the, the teachings, not giving up. So I'm going to kind of refer back to that a few times. It says, otherwise you've believed in vain. You ever done something in vain, like a total waste of time, like you got four new tires and then you totaled your car? You know, something like that. It's like, what a waste. Paul says, that's what it's like if, if you believe in Jesus and you become a believer, but then you give up totally in vain. You've got, you got to stick with it. And so uh, I, I'm going to have, I know I mentioned we're going to talk about these three things. That's kind of a the landscape where we're going to cover 1 Corinthians 15. But there's one thing I want you to take away today, and that is this. Don't ever quit. Resurrection is worth it. Don't ever quit. Resurrection is worth it. Because Satan knows if we just keep going, we're going to make it. You know, like if we just don't quit. So, so he just puts all his effort into just getting us to quit. He knows that... Uh, that, that that's where his hope is. So we got to make sure we, we set our hearts. i got to hold firmly. Um, so what is this word he preached to you? He says, this is the gospel. I'm going to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. And uh, this is really cool, what we're about to read. So 1 Corinthians was written in about A.D. 55. Uh, Jesus was crucified, killed somewhere around A.D. 33. So this is an early book. And Paul is saying, I'm going to remind you of what I preached to you years earlier when I started the church there. So here's what I'm going to remind you of was this was my teaching. And then all scholars agree because of the way the, the, the Greek is constructed here, the, the linguistic analysis of this, that what we read next in verse, uh, five and six, four and, uh, three, four, five, six, this little segment of scripture we're about to read is a creed, an early oral creed. You might say, what's a creed? A creed is something that is passed on and repeated and it's easily memorized. You know, everybody somehow learns these things as they grow up. You hear your kids say stuff like, where did you learn that? We said that when I was a kid. You know, uh, the ABCs, somehow they learn, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. That's a creed. It's something that you uh, remember and it sticks with you. So this was a creed of the early church. And uh, so he says in verse three, what I received. So he heard this. He understood it. He believed it. I pass on to you as of first importance that Christ died from the uh, for our, our sins, according to the scriptures. I'm going to get to that in a second here. Sorry, I got ahead on my presentation. Verse four, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of who are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. So the part here about 
Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Like that, the way it is in Greek, it's kind of like a saying. Does that make sense? It's sort of constructed as if this would be something that would be repeated. Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. You know, we, we, we have things like that, like when you baptize somebody, you say, and now I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that you may receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, you experience of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit may add to the church. That's a creed. That's, a, that's something that's memorized and it's passed on. So Paul is saying, I got this and I passed it on to you and I'm reminding you of it. What's, what's so key about that is that here's the myth that you hear if you go to college you hear this myth, it's repeated often. The, the idea that Jesus rose from the dead was added way later, like hundreds of years later. After all the eyewitnesses were gone, you know, it just started to, they, they really loved this great teacher, they really missed him, and so they started to kind of invent these stories about how he, you know, he appeared to people, and they, they, they kind of just crept in later. And, then, and that, that is completely destroyed by this one text right here. Because this is an early creed that was, everybody agrees, it was written in A.D. 55, and nobody doubts the historic, historicity of, of Paul uh, or his, his honesty. And so he's saying, I received this, I pass it on to you, and what is it about? It's about the resurrection. And it's not only just about the resurrection, it's about who specifically he appeared to. And so this was written at a time when those people are still around. 500 people at one time. 500 people at one time don't have a you know, a, a collective vision. It, it's, it's more like he's saying, okay, yeah, Jesus appeared and he, he saw the people down at the Orange County Church five years ago. Uh, so go ask them. You know, they're all still there. He says, at this point, he's writing this, he says, maybe some of them have died by now. That's not part of the creed. That's like his little comment. Some of them might have died by now. But you can go ahead and ask them. 500 people at one time saw him alive. So resurrection is central to the Christian message. That, he says, I'm going to remind you of the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus rose from the dead. That's so important because, uh, you know, I don't know that we get that. That's what gives Jesus his, uh, that's why we listen to what he says. That's why we follow him. That's why we follow his teachings because he claimed to be from God. He claimed to be God in the flesh. He said he was going to raise from the dead and then he did it. That gives him credibility, right? And our, our, our foundation, our, our, uh, our, our hope, our, um, the, the thing we put all our trust in is the person of Jesus. You know, it's not like all, all my foundation is, is the Bible, like this book. The book is the, the collection of the writings of the people who follow Jesus. You know, are you with me? Our hope is in this person in, that in, in time and in history, he rose from the dead. He says he died from our sins. He, uh, he was buried, he rose again. And, and then he mentions even James, which is interesting That's a, for another time. James was the brother of Jesus who didn't believe in him till he rose from the dead. So you've heard me say before, you know, what would it take for your brother to convince you he was the son of God? He would have to rise from the dead. And that's what happened. So uh, moving on. Number two. So remind number two. Uh, resurrection. Why is it so important that we get to resurrection? Resurrection is the point we're all headed towards. Resurrection was already part of the, the, the Jewish understanding because of like a few weeks ago when we went through the book of Daniel. That's the that's the what's revealed through Daniel is this future resurrection. So this is the hope of the people of God, even from before Jesus came. And then Jesus comes and tells them how to have eternal life and what resurrection is going to mean. So this is where this is why we don't quit, because we're headed towards resurrection. Uh, have you ever been on a on a hike 
that doesn't go anywhere. You know, we, we, we went on a hike. Steve was there. Actually, he, he stayed with Albert, uh, cause Albert, uh, had to take a break. So Steve stayed with Albert, but a number of the staff guys went on this hike and it was a four mile hike, but to no destination. It was just like walking along this, this trail. And then we finally get to this place where the, the river kind of rock, the, it just sort of ended and it just sort of ended there. And it's like, okay, I guess we turn around now. So it was like, we hiked for like, five six hours and i had a i had an ingrown toenail so the whole time i'm just like ow ow (laughs) and we were hiking to nowhere and so uh you know one of the brothers was like what's the problem i'm like i don't know i'm from colorado you usually hike to something like you go to something and uh it's not just like hiking for the sake of hiking you know we're we're suffering to get somewhere and that's, to me, what the Christian life is. It, it's going to be hard. It's going to be rocky. It's going to be difficult. But we're on our way somewhere. Uh, and we went on the kind of hike that I like uh, last week. I was in Colorado on vacation. And we went on this hike. I just want to show you the view from the top. This is, the, this is the view from the top of this. You know, we called it the top of the world. I know it's not yeah. the top of the world. But we were above the tree line and looking out over all these mountains. It was just so incredible. You know, as you come up and you're... We hiked. It was probably... Maybe two hours total, I think. Maybe three hours total. I don't know. But, but you know, it's kind of tough, but it's like well, we're going to get to And you can see the summit. And then you get up there, and it's just gorgeous, and it's amazing, and it's a cool breeze. And you're looking out over all of God's creation. It's like incredible. So that's what we're headed towards. We're headed towards this future resurrection. A bodily resurrection where God's people will be in a new heaven, a new earth, with new bodies, a new government, a new, you know, God will be in the center of his people. It says this, this is what the Bible message is. This is what Christianity is. It's not for just this life. Are you with me? I think there, there's some good things about Christianity. It'll make your life better if you follow Jesus. It will help you in your job. It will help you in your marriage. It will help you in your parenting. There's good things about it, but it's not, we're not just on a hike just for a hike's sake. We're headed towards a summit. We're headed towards future resurrection, and that's so important. It shapes our view of everything. Look at what Paul says a little farther down in verse 16. Uh, he says, if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep, which means died, those who have also fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ we are of all people to be most pitied. You know, there are people where this life is going to be complete suffering. I mean, some of our brothers and sisters in India or in China or in the Middle East or, you know, they're, they're, you know, you hear stories. There's brothers in India sharing their faith and they, they get cornered in an alley and, and, and they beat them with hammers. And these guys know where to hit them with hammers so you can't. It, it does the most pain, but it doesn't leave them permanently disabled so they can't be prosecuted. I mean, this is where our brothers and sisters are going through. There, there might be suffering and hardship in the first century church. Most of the disciples were slaves. Uh, uh, the majority of the church were slaves. Over 50%, they think, uh, were slaves. So it, it was, they were impoverished. They, it was hardship. We're not here for our own comfort. We're not here for, you know, just to have a better life here. Now, do we have a better life? Do we have better relationships? Do we have marriage, better marriages? Do we have better kids? All that, yes. But that's not why we're here. Does that make sense? 
if, if we're only for this life have hope, Paul says we are to be pitied above all people. And he, you know, it's interesting. He says, if only for this life we're living, then let's just eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Verse 32. You know, that's the Corinthian way. Hey, we're, I'm going to be dead tomorrow, so I'm going to live it up right now. That's kind of our, our world today. You know, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, so I'm just going to party as hard as I can right now. Let us eat, let us drink, tomorrow we die. If, that's, if there's no resurrection, then do that, Paul says. And his, his point is that, no, there is something to hold on to. There is somewhere that we're headed. There is something that shapes our view of everything. Resurrection is absolutely central. Paul says, uh, you know, a little bit later here, he says, Why did I fight wild beasts in Ephesus if it was only for this life? Like, he had suffering, he had hardship, he had difficulty. And so rejoicing in suffering is, is really part of being in the resurrection story. Okay, uh, skip down to verse 42. I've got to move a little quicker. It says, uh, he, t- he talks in the next passage about there's different kinds of bodies. There's heavenly bodies. There's earthly bodies. There's different kind of animals. And his point is, he's talking from his own uh, scientific frame of reference, but he's just saying that there's something different between living matter and, and non-living matter. There's different... God is... Basically, God is in control of matter. So if God is going to make new kind of creation, then he can do that. You know, the more that you study science, the more that you study the way the universe is put together, you see God's fingerprint all over all of it. I know we talked about that a few weeks ago. I'm reading a book right now about the origin of life. And you just see God's uh, hand in all of it, the, the fingerprint of God, the language of God. And so uh, this new resurrection... He's created all this. There's no other explanation for any of it. So if he says there's going to be something new, we can trust him with that, that there is going to be a new creation. And he explains kind of what it's going to be in verse 42. He says, so it will be with the resurrection of dead. The body that's sown is perishable. That's our body now. It's raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. So, so there's a difference between this life and the life to come. He says, this body is perishable. This body is dishonor. This body, weakness. This body, nat- natural. But the resurrection body is different. It's a whole new reality we're headed towards. And, and, and so that, that gives us hope because in this life, we are weak. We are frail. We do suffer. We do go through things we don't understand. And I want to show you this video of uh, just it really amazed me the way this young man, this young disciple is handling suffering in this life because he's conscious of what's to come. And uh, this is a brother in our church, a young disciple. He's a teenager. Uh, this time last year, he was in an accident right after the REACH conference. And uh, in this accident, he, he jumped into a, a shallow end of a pool and he damaged his spine and he became paralyzed. Actually, he became completely paralyzed. At first, all he could do was blink. And um, and this this video kind of tells the story, not about the accident, but about what's happened since. And this was put together by some other, not by our church, it's by some other organization, but just because they were so impressed with this young man. And so you're going to hear from other people in his teen ministry and his teen leader and and the minister of his church and stuff. But I think it helps us to have, it really gave me the perspective of, wow, that's the way I need to approach this life and the suffering and hardship that we go through. So let's watch this here. And we were in the pool, and then um, I jumped in. Um, like, I couldn't move my legs, I couldn't move anything in that moment. I could only move my face. By God's grace, I didn't panic. I'm just a normal person in 
a extraordinary circumstance. So the day of the accident was uh, July 17th. It was actually right right before the accident, like a week. Uh, we got to um, him and his brother. We went down to St. Louis for a big conference. And we just got back from vacation, and I was having an awesome summer because I went on vacation with my friends to Chicago and then St. Louis for two weeks. When uh, Connor was in the hospital, uh, I got the call that, that, you know, something had happened. and It didn't really hit me at that time what actually happened. And then more and more details came, and I was like, oh, no, that's terrible. It definitely was sad, but, I mean, I knew that he could pull through and he would be okay. And it's just, he's unique. I spend, uh, you know, in, in my church, there's tons of kids, lots of kids visit. Uh, I get to see them. They're all incredible. He just had this gift of faith. On November 16th of 2014, I was baptized and became a disciple of Christ. My relationship with God um, has only been strengthened through this because it really shows me that um, he's always there. And it's so hard to stay strong, to stay faithful. And every time I would go see him, he would fill me back up again just by his faith and just by his hope. And that he, he never let his guard down. He always trusted God through the whole entire thing. It was like two in the morning and we were just kind of talking and I I said something like, I, I want to help you. I, I just want to help you. If I could do anything to take this away from you, um, I would. And then he kind of typed out with his eyes. Uh, he used this little blink chart and he said, uh, perfect plan. And, uh, you know, I just I just sat there and, and just, I literally cried, kind of was like melted onto him and was just crying, and I something like, here I am thinking I'm here to help you, and, and you're helping me. And uh, he and I were talking one day, and he said, you know, Sajin, if just one person is helped, if one soul can be saved as a result of this, it's, it'll be worth it. I go, no way. I go, there better be a whole country that's saved as a result of this. He has so little independence, but what he has not lost, is his brain and his heart and his soul. Those haven't changed at all. And when he says stuff, it's just like always profound. <laughs> it's like crazy. His faith is so black and white. It's just like, it is what it is, Mom. Uh, my favorite thing about Connor is that um, he never gives up. And uh, he works very hard at everything he does. Uh, and he... Um, is always inclusive of other people. I will say that there's no words that can express my gratitude to people I know, people I don't know, businesses I know, businesses I don't know, the, the, the monetary donations that have been given. Like, there's, there's no way to say thank you. Thank you, like, isn't good enough. Connor is living next door with, uh, with the Mercs. Uh, they're our best friends, and uh, they... Um, you know, then you're part of our church community and they've been fantastic. My biggest prayer is that we're all home for Christmas. I know that's probably not going to happen, but that would have been nice, like just to have us all in the same house for Christmas.
Unfortunately, our house hasn't been modified as quickly as uh, we would have liked it to be. Um, finding out the hard way these things take a lot more time than I, I had expected. So my friends have been awesome. And what's really cool to show that like they really are like your true friends is that nothing's changed. We're still like, we're basically brothers. Like I wouldn't even call us friends anymore because we're like too close for that. Connor hasn't even become more inspirational to me now than he was before. He was always an inspiration to me. I'm just a normal person in a extraordinary circumstance uh, that happened to me. Anyone can do anything as long as God's on their side. Even though it's hard now, it won't be in the future. And that you're inspiring people and good is happening from a bad situation that you don't even know about. He has a faith that is unrelenting and he lives that every day in everything he does. A perfect plan is something that unfortunately we cannot fathom what that plan is going to be and if that plan is to be in a wheelchair to inspire you know people from a wheelchair or you know that that plan is that one day that he'll walk again and inspire people that way or even if it's both we don't know what the plan is it's just glorifying God through our daily lives. God has deep convictions for a 16-year-old kid. Um, you, you say a kid, but I think when, when he starts speaking, you learn he's, he's very mature, just in, in understanding kind of the, the greater picture. Uh, he's not just a teenager. He wasn't. He's not just a lacrosse player. He's not just you know a kid in the neighborhood. Like he really thinks he's going to go and, and make a difference. He's, he's different. He was just unique. The way he handled this was just different than how others have. I told my friends, well, he, he's doing good. He gets stronger every day. Um, he's still bond. It changed a little bit, but it's still my brother. I mean, we're still brother, brother and sister, and we see each other a lot. Like, we laugh with each other. We always tell jokes. For, for such a young man, he... His world is not small. I mean, he, he looks beyond his own set of circumstances. He looks beyond even his own neighborhood. He seems to understand a lot about the role he could play for other people. He's, he's going to rise up and do just as much or more than other people because he's just that determined. You know, his perspective is, is so inspiring and convicting. Uh, when he says, you know, this has only strengthened my faith. And even that he, before he could even speak, that he typed out with his eyes, perfect plan. Just complete trust in God. Why? Because he knows he's on the hike. You know, he's heading towards the summit of future resurrection. And Connor will get a new body. And he will be there with the, the saints. And, you know, for some of us, it might take difficulty. It might take suffering for us to get there. You know, if everything goes good in our life and there's no challenges, we probably wouldn't even feel any need for God. But Peter says the trials come to test our faith and prove it genuine so that in future resurrection, it, it, we, it's, Peter says you get praise, glory, and honor. The way Jesus said it, I, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh man, that's, that's what I want to hear more than anything else in my whole life. 
is I want to make it to the end and hear those words, don't you? And so we can't ever quit. Revolution, uh, resurrection is worth it. The third thing here is revolution. We are in a revolution. And I'm just going to encourage you to read this uh, rest of the passage on your own because what Paul says is that we're kind of like already there but not yet. In other words, Jesus has risen from the dead, but nobody else has yet. There's a, there, we're in a waiting period. We're in a war zone right now until everything is subject to Jesus. And uh, uh, Steve talked more about this, exactly what happens when you die in an earlier lesson, if you want to look on the podcast or the videos. But we're in this in-between stage. Jesus has risen from the dead. So when we look at his resurrection... Paul says, that's where we're headed. We will be changed. We will be like him. But until then, we're in this war. And so when we're at war, we've got, that changes your mindset. You know, you don't, when you're at war, you, you, you're not thinking about comfort. You're not thinking about ease. You're, you're thinking about the war. You're thinking about the battle. You're thinking about who, uh, your, your brother at your side, your sister at your side. And so we got to have that perspective, brothers and sisters, that we're in this battle zone until future resurrection. Uh, we're part of a revolution that's happening. So, so we, we can't put up permanent housing here in a sense. You know, we're in a tent, Paul says, and, and the house is going to come. But we're, we're like camping right now until that final day. And so what communion is, we're going to take communion here uh, in just a minute. But communion is remembering that. Paul says, uh, we're going to look at next week, when we take communion, we proclaim God's, uh, we proclaim Jesus' death until he comes. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. So we're kind of reminding ourselves of where we are right now, that Jesus died, that he was buried, that he rose from the dead. And we're remembering his body and his blood. And we're thinking about that future resurrection that is to come as we're remembering him. And so, you know, as we take communion, I just want to encourage you, you know, some of us, some of you are visiting, some of you are new to Christianity. This whole idea of resurrection might sound kind of crazy or you don't know what to think about it. I just encourage you to, to, to study the Bible, to just get the Bible open with somebody else here and see what it says, because it is amazing uh, when you just, so many people go to church or check out Christianity things, but never actually read the scriptures, never actually see what Jesus said. And it, it will change your life completely just to see what he actually said and, uh, and open the scriptures. Some of you might be feeling like quitting right now, or you've been tempted to quit, or somebody that you love has quit. And I just encourage you, keep going. It is worth it. Resurrection is worth it. This life will never fill you up. Uh, but we are on this journey with God together towards this future resurrection. Do not, do not, do not ever give up. And, uh, and, and, and the thing that gives us encouragement on our journey is those times where we get with God or we get with other people or we're part of the, something where you kind of get a sense of the eternal. And so after we have a time of, of meditation and prayer as we take communion, Amika is going to sing a song for us called Touch the Sky. And what the song is about is those moments in prayer, those moments in meditation or those moments where God kind of speaks to us and we sort of get a glimpse of the eternal. We kind of are reminded of where we're headed. And so I, I pray that that song can, uh, can minister to you as well. So let's pray right now and then uh, we'll, we'll have communion together. God, thank you so much for uh, the gift of Jesus Christ and, and uh, that we can know your wisdom and your power through him. Thank you for uh, forgiving us of our sins through his blood. And thank you for his resurrection and how that points us towards a future reality that is to come. Uh, we thank you for this bread, which is his body and that was given for us. And we thank you for the, the grape juice, which is his blood that was poured out for us so that we could be forgiven. Pray you bless the meditation of our heart right now. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. 
for other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.